Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah. Yes. Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh, my God. Yes. Awesome. Please listen carefully. Welcome to our show, Quernundrum. I'm your host, Holly Ray Greystone. And I'm your other fabulous host, Gary M. Thorne Jr. <laughs> Are you still fabulous? Are you still feeling fabulous? I will always be fabulous, bitch. All right. Oh, ooh, you <laughs> forgot to do your snapping fingers with that one. Do Are you, you stereotyping? To... You're stereotyping now. I get it. All right, fine. But am I or am I just typecasting you? I mean, you just, I'm just saying because you kind of have, I don't know, this theatrical presence about yourself. Oh, that's right. I met you in theater. I was going to say, and actually the, the, the thing that we had going on today with, with our uh, guest is uh, Brandon. He met me through theater too. So that'll be interesting. I think you meet all the best people in theater. And now I can't speak for you personally. But I feel like I can say that personally. Most all the cool. Let me think about this for a second. You met your it. wife through theater because of me. So shut the fuck uh, up. Yeah, that is the truth. Let I, I will rephrase that. I have found a better self in theater. I am a happier person and I feel more complete in living in my truth through theater. And fine. Yes, I'll give you credit where credit is due. I did meet my fabulous wife. In theater, through your While playing in, Trivial Pursuit. Trivial Pursuit. Okay. <laughs> Thank an you. Odd, an odd Thank couple. You. Okay. You did <laughs> typecast right. me though. You, I was Mickey the cop. Just saying. And you were fabulous. I was. I got to pick up a woman and throw her on the couch. Can't say yeah, that was so, a bad day at all. I don't know, I don't know. Right. A now, cute woman. And we should too, probably get wife. talking about our other our other stuff that's been going on so that we can actually yes we should probably get, get, get into to the show. get to brandon so fine so <laughs> what's been going on with you holly uh what's going on with me well you know i'm obviously still working on the remodel a little longer than i had anticipated which is fine it's part of project management <sighs> weather delayed my cabinets the cabinets came the cabinets were shitty. They didn't come with this unicorn tool. Do you know what a unicorn tool is when I say that? No. Okay. It is a very specific tool that only is used for that said thing. And you can only find it through like one resource. Like you, there's no other tool except for that tool that that company makes. Can I say though that it would make this a perfect name for a dildo? I have some friends. I'll put that out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's, I put it in my brain. All right, it's done. Okay. Anyway, so there's this, I accidentally transposed a part. And the only way to release that part is to have this unicorn tool that they didn't give you. And the 17 boxes that I purchased. So I go to the store and I'm like, hey, where's this tool? Like, here it is. This is the picture. Here's a video. Here's all the research. Because I watched videos and I read forms. I did all my work before they got there. Anyway. They have no idea what it is. They don't sell it in the store. They don't sell it online. And I was fuming, fuming, so mad. Anyway, skipping that. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Wouldn't it have made some more sense to maybe look online 
for the product at the store you went to before you went there in the first place? No, because I needed it now. If I ordered online, it would be a shipping and a I'm just period. saying, but if you would have looked, if they had it at that store. They didn't have it. That's why I but looked that's online. What I'm saying, so. I know. Listen, <laughs> listen, Gary. I looked online first when I purchased the product originally. Yeah. And because it didn't exist anywhere, I, like a logical human being, assumed that it came in the box. Because why would you have this effed up looking tool if it didn't have like a place it was going to exist? Like, I don't know. And the, Ikea gives you all the tools. You end up with like 27 no, L wrenches. Okay, fine. I, my experience is 27 L wrenches. I don't want to get into your story about Ikea. Okay. Anyway. So I assumed, okay, this must be like a store thing. Like they have it in a drawer somewhere and they're just going to give it to me. No, no, they don't. Same day, I shot myself in the hand with a nail gun. I fell off a ladder, landed it like a gymnast and called it quits for the day. Came home, watched a four hour film called, um, I'll get back to it. It's a, D- <laughs> it's a DC comic. It just came out. God, Justice League. Justice League. Oh my gosh. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. I won't say anything, but I will just tell you right now it was worth the four hours. And the like last like 10, 15 minutes was so much better than the the one that did that was released a couple years ago. Well, yeah, the other one I don't remember anything about. I remember I watched it twice. And I really don't remember anything about it. Same. I'm like, DC Universe, here. Do you need a hint on how to make a movie? Marvel. Just watch how they do it, okay? They listen to the history mm. in the background. You know what? DC is darker. I like the darker. It is DCs. darker, but they don't keep consistency with it. And then they throw a lot of face into boob humor, which is like, men have boobs too, so why don't we see a lot of characters falling into them? I'm just saying. I would like to see some c- content catered to me. Oh, white boobs. Anyway. Maybe we should talk about this in Queer Corner. But like, <laughs> <laughs> we can move on now. My mom, so I'm staying at my mom's house while I work on this project. And she has asked me to not cuss. She goes, it is okay to yell. You're loud. We know this. We've established. But if you could try not to cuss, that would be great. Because she's working from home right now. And the last time we recorded, I yelled a lot of F words. And my mom caught that in one of her meetings. So I will be, I will be censoring myself for my mother. (laughs) That will seem wrong, but okay. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not living my true self in the moment. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, moving on. You had a big week. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So my surgery uh, for weight loss went well. They didn't tell me the pain I would be in for for the next couple days. That was the big thing. Um, had they told you, would you still gone through it? Oh, well, yeah, as I was... I was you know, okay. wouldn't have changed anything because they feel is a lot of it was gas pain because they fill you up with a bunch of fucking air. Mm-hmm. And so it was just I like, I just, that. yeah. So that was, that was a big deal with it. Today actually is the first day I'm feeling kind of normal, you know, where I'm actually at the point where, Oh, I could go do stuff. Oh, the other thing they don't tell you until it's too late to think about it. <laughs> they don't tell you that you, after surgery, you gain weight back because of all the bloating and shit. Mm-hmm. So I went from one of the lowest weights I've had in a couple of years to I 
literally after surgery gained like almost 20 pounds inflammation because of all the shit going on the swelling and stuff like that so that was i honestly thought for a second you're gonna say <laughs> that, that you were that they told you like this is how i vision the conversations like gary so after the surgery you can't have sex for nine months and that Two weeks that would have been, but like, I thought it would be something like, a, like this big number. And you're like, nope, I'm done. I'm not going to have the surgery. No, no. Back that out. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, weeks, really in the it. end, men, well, really anybody can it just means maybe not with Dean, but it would mean that I would, you know, my hand would take care of it. You know, it would, it would happen one way or the other, but you know, that that's another, that's another podcast. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, so um, feeling better, Good. I'm doing better. I go in for my follow-up checkup tomorrow to tell me if I can drive because they won't let me drive until they, they make sure that I'm doing okay. I'm looking at being back at work on Friday, hopefully. That's my goal because I'm getting very bored at home. So, Do you need but, work? Because I have work I can give you. There's. I'm okay. We got to follow. Oh, okay. I'm okay, but thank I will you. I'll give you a list. I have a list. But yeah, I still have to work on the blog because I'm actually finding good enough that I can actually do a blog for this week. All so, right, fine. Yeah, so usually I have the. I, you have work on the you. blog. I will work on billing you. And there you go. Maybe fixing the fix updating. The website's yeah. fixed, but I just need to update the website. Okay. There you go. But uh, so I was wanting to go ahead and introduce our guest then. If that's, Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yes. Hold so, on. I'm excited. Hold on. I got to contain right. my energy. <sighs> okay, I'm ready. That Do means it. you're going to shut up for a minute, right? So I... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll drink some whiskey. I'm drinking I'm All drinking right. a delicious whiskey. You go on. I, I want to introduce our listeners to Brandon Dudley. He is somebody it feels like I've known for almost 15 years at this point. Something it's, like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, how I first met Brandon was through theater, which we already talked about. He was the last minute, wonderful replacement for a character in To Kill a Mockingbird. And the poor guy didn't really ever stand a chance because every time, almost every time I would have a play come out after that, I would go, God, that part's perfect for Brandon. I would be calling him in continuously, um, going, oh, Brandon, you don't have to audition. You got the part, just come on in, it's yours. <laughs> and so this poor guy, and I don't believe you ever said no. And I'm just going to assume without ever you saying anything that working on the plays that I did with you was the most fun you had over any other plays you did. You know, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> Absolutely. I will, I will publicly say that. <laughs> You're not just publicly saying that. It's on a podcast that's, that's listened in numerous countries. At the that's time. fine. I, I stand behind that fact. It's very true. Um, I do think that Brandon is a bit of what we you don't get to use this term a whole lot anymore but a renaissance man he's an amazing actor he used to be i don't think you do anymore used to be a drag performer yep used to be not anymore ah uh, you telling me i missed out yeah you know there's there's talk that i might come back okay to pullman in the nearest future for like you know what comeback, i don't care where you we'll where you at if i have to travel I just I, I need to see this and experience your artistic creativity in all of its forms. So if that comes oh. back into flourishing, 
You best be DMing this girl right here. I will let you know for sure. Excellent. Thank you. And then plus, you are doing some amazing artwork now. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do believe there's a piece that Desiree wants. So tell us um, more about that. I was looking into because I have I know your sister, who by the way says, Hi, you best behave yourself because she will be listening. Oh, and Brittany, <laughs> I want you to know this means I do like Brandon more than you. Okay. Oh, Just so it's not Ah, we already ah, knew that. We all. Ah, knew that. I want you to know, Brittany, that I like you more than your brother. Although I haven't yet to interview him, but I don't know him, so you'll, you'll change your mind after the interview. Maybe, but yes. Okay, so I was talking to your sister earlier because I was just so jacked about having this interview with you, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's right." Gary said that you guys are related, and I was like, "No way!" So I had to ask to clarify because I don't want to pick on him because you know. He's recovering. I was like, hey, is this a truth? Like, is Gary pulling my chain? And she's like, no, I claim him. That's my brother. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so we we chatted a little bit. And it was good to check in with her because I, I haven't really connected with people in the last year. Uh, I try to be mindful of it, but I just I'm not very I'm not very good at it. I'm great when people reach out to me. I'm like all in. But I am terrible at reaching out and catching up with people. But she's just a fabulous human being she's light in this world and i just love it yeah she's a great person and one of the cutest voices ever oh my gosh (laughs) yes if i have a need for voice acting i'm hitting her up for sure so you Um, do so you do art now i i saw that you uh sorry gary i know you had a question but i'm going to interrupt you because that's what i do well i was just trying to get it back on track is what i was doing I'm i'm doing my own thing it's fine who needs to be on track so t- tell us about your art a little bit, if you don't mind. I'm totally curious. Um, gosh, I don't know. So I, so I used to do a lot of art when I was younger. It was really a way of like just coping with life, right? Um, and I stopped for some reason. I just stopped painting and I stopped making art. And I cannot tell you why. I think. I always say I just didn't feel inspired, right? Like I just never felt like doing it. And then COVID happened and COVID's been rough on everybody and it's been really rough on my mental health. And so I thought to myself, well, what can I do to kind of help heal from the trauma that is COVID? I was like, well, I'm going to pick up a paintbrush again. And so I started painting again and I reignited this love for art that I had lost. And it's been so much fun to see like how different it is from the younger me. It's such a more, a better representation of who I am today. The art I create is very much emotional driven. So, you know, every piece is ultimately a representation of an emotion. I have bipolar disorder, so my emotions are up and down. And I use that to kind of show the world through art and color what it what it's like inside my mind cool yeah yeah I was and you have out a your, gorgeous mind right i was checking out your website so people can find your art correctly at brandondudley.com yep excellent yeah i was checking out some pieces there gary mentioned that my wife was interested so i'm gonna have to touch bases with her as to what piece that was specifically so yes please do. and then and you also correct you've done writing also haven't you Yeah, so my day job is as a writer. I actually work in software um, Mm -hmm. as a technical writer. It's nothing special or fancy. It's literally I write instructions (laughs) for the most part all day long. I just teach people how to use it. 
Okay. I love it. I'm I'm here for it. I'm one of those weirdos that will collect manuals and like read schematics. And that's probably why I'm a Jane of all trades, so to speak, because I like, I love reading. I'm like, you tell me how to do it. I will figure it out. Now there's also a knowledge based on actually doing it. I understand that, but I, I like starting from the manuals. I'm weird that way. And then I do have one more question for Brandon, then we'll let him get into his talking. Um, how, how is your husband doing? Oh, he's great. He is in the other room with our cats. Uh, just hanging the out. cat wrangler. You have yeah, a dedicated cat, cat wrangler. Oh, oh, he loves those cats. He loves those cats. I swear he loves them more than me. He didn't want cats, actually. And yeah. I convinced him to get one cat. And then two weeks later, he was like, oh, I want another cat. And they're his babies. He, <laughs> he loves them. He dotes over them all the time. So it's great. It's so cute. But, oh, that's, I'm glad to hear everything's going well for you, too. They're great. Yeah. Everything's wonderful. And then honestly, I, unless you have more you want to start with, I thought we'd just write, get into talking about our topic of the day. Yeah. So do you want to introduce that for us? Um, sure. Queer core. Um, I brought it up to Gary on social media. Hey, you should talk about this. And um, I realized no, not a lot of people know about queer core. It is no me. clue about it. None. <laughs> None. It is a very, it's very much a subculture of a subculture that never really made it to the forefront. It all started with punk rock music, right? And so queer, queer core came from punk rock after they learned there was no place for queers in punk rock anymore. Um, and they created their own um, they created their own space, right? You know, us queers, we do a really good job oh, yeah. of coming up with our if own space. If we don't spaces. have our space, we will make our space. Exactly. And that's that's what happened is they created their own punk rock space. Um, and it's funny, it all started as a joke. It wasn't anything real. It was just this fantasy world. And um, it kind of took off. It's really, it's really interesting. And so it's not just a genre of music, but it also became a culture, a really important culture um, well, to the alt queers. Am I wrong in the fact that what they really were trying to do? I, I, I like very much say I know nothing about this, which is I'm, why we're I'm, glad to have someone yeah. to interview. Because when I, when Gary had this conversation posted on social media, she interrupts you all the time in the middle I of conversations. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I know nothing about this. Sorry, Gary, please. No. So. I was literally, for me, this would have been, I grew up at this time frame and knew nothing about it. So that really, it embarrasses me. But so what I understand is, if I understand this correct, right, it, it became, they were really just, they, they wanted it. It was really almost like a counterculture to, to the cis gays who were saying, no, we're all just normally going, no, fuck it. We're, we we want to use the word queer. We'll use your word fag and dykes. And that's this is who we are. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what's so cool about it is, you know, right when it came out, right? So there was this kind of divergence between the gay cultures. You had a number of 
gays who kind of took the heteronormative route. They wanted to have families. They were finding acceptance in society. They moved into the suburbs, so on and so forth. And then you have this alternative group of people who, yeah, they were like, fuck you. This is not who we are. It's cool to be queer and we're going to be unapologetically queer. We're going to embrace the illegality of being queer and we are going to um, just, you know, say F you culture, right? Like it was a totally, it really was kind of a fuck you to those other gays. Um, yeah, it was cool. The other gays. The other gays. <laughs> and then the, the sad part about it, I because at the time, this is why I'm very embarrassed not knowing anything about it because I, I loved punk music and knowing nothing about it but then finding out that I had not realized that punk music had become very much almost anti-gay in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, really? That's, yeah, so unfortunately, so the cool, the interesting thing about punk music is punk music, when it first started about like the mid-70s or like mid-70s is kind of when punk music kind of came about, it was very queer. It was all about going against society, right? So there was a space for the queer community. There was a space for gender bending and transgendered or transvestite individuals. And it was cool and it was crazy. And then cisgendered white men took it over and they made it their space and they oh. made it a place for their own, of their own. And they kind of pushed the queerness to the side. And yeah, you're right, Gary. They, it became very misogynistic and it became very racist and they would use gay sex as what they call gross out punchlines, you know? Um, and then ultimately in San Francisco, the white supremacist, the skinheads got a hold of it and they then came yeah. in and they turned punk music into this, very racist place that is very misogynist. yeah it became a hate where have i been and so that was one of the reasons why they left you know bruce labruce who was one of the founders of queer core you know he said he didn't feel safe anywhere he wasn't welcome in the punk scene he would be beaten up regularly for being gay but then yes. he also wasn't welcome in the gay scene either because he was too alternative for them so that's kind of how they Ugh. created this whole queer core culture well, and I, um, in the little bit I did some research on, I love the fact that this one guy was saying that he he felt felt if he came out talking about that, you know, the the late seventies, if he came out as gay, he would have to like disco and dress <laughs> like that because that was that was kind of the normative for the, the gay culture then, yeah. and so he he didn't feel comfortable coming out until queer core until that became more of a movement because oh wait i can i don't have to like i don't have to like what all these other normal gays are like and so i thought that was very interesting yeah it was really cool it, it created a space for i don't know like it created a space for the alternative gays right like everybody mm -hmm. who didn't want to assimilate into culture the art house gays you know the anarchists like people who could be gay, they could be queer, they could be proud of it, but they didn't have to do like the stereotypical things. They didn't have to be, I guess what, in your guys' last podcast, they didn't necessarily have to be friends of Dorothy, right? They weren't those yeah. gays, they were the other gays, so. Yes. It's so crazy, our culture is so diverse. I mean, and I know every culture has a subculture and a subculture and new cultures that are being developed and other cultures being redeveloped it, it's just amazing to me that 
like how little I know, like I'm an educated individual and I strive, I am currently striving even more to know about this community that I belong to, the LBTQ community. And it just, I'm aghast, but like, I, I had no idea this was even a thing. And this is why I love that I'm learning something new, but it's like, this is a whole community of people that I would love to meet and know and have them in my life. I don't know that I identify with them in, in their own culture, but I would love just to be in it with them and explore that and, and to praise them and love them for who they are and what they're doing, what they're contributing, because we're not all the same. And God, if we were all the same, it'd be so boring. And I love that we have diversity within our diversity, within the diversity. No, absolutely. And I honestly, I came across Queer Core through my love of Riot Girl music, which is another subgenre of the punk scene. Um, it came out later and it's actually, I guess it would be safe to say that Riot Girl really was the mainstream equivalent to queer core music. You know, you couldn't sell queer, right? It wasn't cool. Nobody wanted to touch it with a 10 foot pole, which is why nobody's ever really heard of queer core. If you ask the queer core uh, people, they're cool with that. They never wanted to be mainstream. That was yeah. never their plan. It was all about being underground. It's like Portland didn't want to be cool, that cool. <laughs> but then everyone discovered Portland, Oregon and moved in there. And they're like, oh, damn, we have to find a new place. That's exactly it. And yeah. so Riot Girl was kind of that more mainstream um, queer core culture um, and they weren't they able to attach to the feminist angle too. So absolutely. it wasn't, which is, and for, I mean, and I like the fact that they could, that people could say, this is the kind of area that when I was looking at, I got really into too. I, this was like some amazing stuff and that they weren't able to, that, that for the main population, which happens to be white males and that, that a white male could handle a bisexual woman. So they just, they took it themselves and they were bisexual. Right. And and for mainstream, just all over, it was easier for a woman to be, quote unquote, sexualized over a man. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, queer core was a very feminist. I mean, a lot of the, oh, yeah. a lot of the more recognized bands of the time were very feminist bands, you know, it mm -hmm. was a very feminist movement, you know, um, you had groups who they brought back the word dyke right and they embraced that and they're like we are dykes and that is who we are and they they're really the ones who inspired um the riot girl movement kathleen hannah of bikini kill she was the originator of riot girl and she says you know what if it wasn't for queer core i never would have thought that there was a space for me as a feminist rocker and i listened to a couple of things on youtube she was good. Oh, she's amazing. But yeah, Kimiko, I was like, yeah. I'm looking this. Like, I'm going to wow. look this up. What? Yeah, she's amazing. She's bikini. She did bikini kill, and then later, she they broke up, and she started La Tigra, and then yes. they broke up, and now her most recent one is um, Jane Ruin. Which there was a there's there's a whole thing. Like there's actually an entire documentary dedicated to her. I am a huge diehard fan of her. And like I said, that's how I found Queercore was because I love Bikini Kill and I also love another band called Sleater Kinney. And they're another yes. Queercore slash Riot Girl band. They're part of the original groups that started the whole 
oh, this riot is girl movement. Crazy. I'm yeah. checking this out for sure. I mean, I, I was going to anyway. <laughs> However, I'm even more excited about this. Like, and it's, it's nor- it originates in the Pacific Northwest. There's a cool thing about yeah, it. Yeah. Olympia, it's Washington. A, right? Olympia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Olympia was my stomping grounds. <laughs> And queer core was a big thing in Olympia too at the time. I mean, up until the mid, uh, I think 2013 or 14 was the last time that they held a big queer core festival in Mm -hmm. Olympia. Um, So Washington has played a very large, the West Coast, I mean, played a huge role in punk music in any ways, right? Even though it did start in the Northeast, but it really became a thing in San Francisco. And San Francisco was the U.S. hub of queer core music. San Francisco has a way of taking like whatever is happening, like on that particular coastal range and just blow it up fabulously. Absolutely. It's like, it's not that it's not fabulous in Seattle or anywhere else, but like San Francisco, I think just cause it has such a creative hub of people. It's like, Oh no, we could do this and this and that. And you do that. It just explodes into this beautiful thing. Absolutely. So, there was on the documentary I watched, uh, and I can't. I was, I was trying to find the group on here. I was saying it, but and I'm hoping Brandon, you know, when I say this, there's a one of the groups. They were so popular in that in the whole punk culture that they would actually uh, have during their show their lead singer male have. Uh, they would get a get. They would they'd ask a straight guy to come up. Okay, come he, you know right away. Come up on stage and suck his cock. To say that was the most punk thing you could do. What, what group was that, Brandon? Oh my gosh, scary! I, I believe it was Tribe Eight. Yes, that was it. Tribe, Tribe Eight. Eight. Yes. And so yeah, no, Holly literally. So I'm watching this documentary where he yells out and goes, "Hey, all you straight guys, which one of you is going to come up and suck my cock? That's yeah. the most punk thing you can do." And they would get people coming up. The I guess the only place they couldn't get people to come up was in Texas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where everything is bigger. Well, yeah, punk, that's punk music, right? Like yeah. it's challenging the norm. And the funny yeah. thing about queer core was it was a joke. It was a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It never was supposed to be serious. And actually, they originally, you know, when they first started it, they would put in like the most homophobic white bands that they could find and they would list them in their zine as yes. queer core and they did it because it was a joke they just wanted to piss them off right because that's punk punk is a joke everything is a joke to them and they just love to piss people off and so i believe it was gb jones who was like how can i piss people off well I'm going to find these racist, white supremacist punk rock bands and I'm going to put them in my zine as queercore because the queercore yeah. didn't exist. There were no queercore bands at the time. And part of it was too, if I'm not, I mean, yes, I wanted to piss them off, but it was also trying to, wasn't it trying to challenge the the queer punk to, to do some, you know, actual, really to get out there and do songs so that yeah. they could get rid of these hate songs. That was that, exactly and, it. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. You know, it was, it was to inspire and to make fun of, and it worked and yeah. it caught on. And they were like, wow, there isn't a space for us, but they're onto something. Let's make it happen. And so then you have tribe eight, you know, that came out and, you know, 
all these other queer core bands that just kind of slowly but surely kind of started to make their way into the scene. And it became this cool, fun movement that nobody knows of. And I think it's cool that nobody knows of it because... But now people are going to know of it because of this conversation. (laughs) That's great. Like, I want people to know of it, but, you know, I'm a hipster at heart. Like, I like to be like, yeah, I knew all about it. So why why the word queer core? Do you know the original, like, is that a play on words? Like, quernundrums a play on conundrums, right? But we specifically talk about the conundrums of our queer community, which queer core is like a, like, literally the definition of one of the things that we would talk about, right? Yeah, so um, it actually was originally homocore, um, which was a play on just hardcore rock music. Um, and uh. it was mid-90s, you know, when you had the bands, the, you know, dyke bands that really came to the forefront of it, um, Riot Girl starting and so on and so forth, that it became this fallacy that it was a genre and a lifestyle for gay men. And they were like, no, that is not the case. This is for the entire queer community. So that was when they renamed it to Queer Core. Queer, and it so just kind of took inclusive. on. Yeah, so that was the goal because they didn't want it to be exclusive. They mm-hmm. wanted to include everybody. So when did this, What like roughly, this started in the 90s? Um, the que- Queer Core came in the 90s. It, it was homo core from the 80s till the 90s, and then it became queer core. Okay, cool. Am I wrong with this? Is part of the reason it became queer core is once homo core started getting known, because actually got some stuff on like MTV and stuff like that, they didn't want it to be, you know, they didn't- (laughs) They're like, F you, we're gonna change the name. Yeah, and that was kind of it. It, That's exactly it. They didn't want to be famous. I think they make fun of, well, not make fun of, but um, their name is the Pansy Division. And they're like the only queer core band that ever made it mainstream. And really, it was a joke that Green Day was doing as just a way of saying, hey, we used to be punk, even though we're now totally mainstream and the only... um, type of punk you guys think about but you know here's pansy division and this is what we used to be and they were the they're the only ones that really made it mainstream and i think that's how the queer core community wanted it they don't want to be mainstream for me when i think of punk i think of pink yeah right alicia more like that was my thank you and f you both i'm just f you both but that was my because i you know what (laughs) We'll resolve this little laughter at a later date and time. But that was my, like, what I thought was punk music, right? This is a young human telling you what I think, okay? Laugh all you want, anyway. Um, I And I honestly thought, this is before I came out, I honestly thought that she was of the family. I still think she is, but, you know. I, I think, she, I wouldn't be surprised if she is if she's dipped her toes and or still has that her tongue or other aspects <laughs> right but she has but she has someone who she's lo- who she loves and she's committed oh, yeah. to and and we've talked about that before in this show it's like you know sometimes people are in a in a homosexual relationship or a queer relationship because they love the person and that's that's it's the person and that's the relationship that they're identifying as but that's not how they identify overall 
And so finding who we are and identifying who we are is an important part of being human. Anyway, I, I, I identified with her before I even came out. Right. I just, I had this draw to her and and I, I thought at the time that was punk music. I clearly, I think that's very sweet. I I, clearly, (laughs) you guys are obviously music critics and know all forms. And I like pink. Don't get me wrong. I just say that. I just think it's sweet. I do oh, want to ask, um, so about Pansy Division, what I thought was interesting was that um, when watching the documentary, when they talked about Pansy Division, I actually liked the music I heard. I, I did not. They're, they're great music. I like their yeah. music. Um, but it was the, the other queer core people kind of, you know, okay, yeah, Pansy Division. <laughs> yeah. Because they got the mainstream. <laughs> so. That's. I think that's exactly it. They... I don't know. I think amongst the punks or even the like indie music, indie artists, so on and so forth, you lose your edge when you go mainstream. And I am a firm believer of that. And I could talk about that's why I don't like RuPaul's Drag Race, because I think once you go mainstream, it's no longer cool. And so I think that's kind of how the queer core people felt, too, like, well, they're mainstream. That's boring. Like, give us something cool and edgy. Because when you're mainstream, you have to start editing yourself, right? You have to start like I am right now. A larger audience, Mm. you know, you have to start pleasing a larger audience when you're mainstream and when you're indie and you're punk and you don't have to please them. You can say whatever you want because you're not going to get dropped by a label because you don't have a label. I see your point. I see because Ellen and other people who make it mainstream, I they're then playing for, okay, well, if I do this, if I play this out on my TV show, 500 people in a, in a home that need food are going to get, are going to get donations because that's right. So then they're playing for these. They're not only getting money for these sponsors, but then the sponsors are giving, giving to these different communities because that's what the show, you know, that's the commitment that they make with the, the, the show host. And I, I get it, right? Because if, if Ellen wasn't a, t- a major, major TV show host, then she could get away with some of the things that came up in 2019 and 2020 behind the scenes of Ellen and working yeah. on the set with her. Like, you could get away with more shit be, and be yeah. more true to yourself and not playing to that audience for the sponsorships or for the money or whatever. Exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, we as a queer community, we need people front and center, right? Like how else, I mean, I'm, I grew up where there was no queer representation on television, right? I remember when Ellen DeGeneres came out on her television show and it got canceled. And yeah. so there was none of that. There was nothing for this well, young there's always a negative following. Exactly. There was like, if you do this, just know there's also going to be this repercussion because of that decision. Exactly. This young gay kid growing up in the middle of a wheat field in a tiny town smaller than Pullman, Palouse, Washington. Um, oh, my gosh. I love Palouse. <laughs> it wasn't cool back then. I was a gay kid. <laughs> no, no, no. As and, a, not even I, I lived there for a while and I can I can tell you some right. stories. My yeah. I had an ex there and I lived there for five years. Bought a house as a proverbial FU. Again, <laughs> filtering myself here. It's still a cute community. It is definitely not a cute community for the LBGT. No, it's definitely not. But that's a whole different story. Um, but ultimately it's important, right? It's important that Ellen has her voice now. It's important that RuPaul has 
brought another perspective to the gay community and that's all great and it's every aspect of our community has representation the young queers out there who now get to grow up in a world where it's okay to be gay and that there is representation out there for them i think it's beautiful i'm just simply saying it's not punk (laughs) (laughs) by definition it's not not punk, punk it's not cool and there's definitely something to be said about the alternative culture because you don't have to answer to those things. You can say and do and provoke in a way that those in the mainstream absolutely cannot do unless they want to lose everything, you know? And the queer punks, they don't care. They don't have anything. They're touring by broke down van, you know? They're not about money. What do you take from the queer core in terms of your expression in your art or your person or your day to day? You know, I, queer core has, it helps me to, it helps me to kind of reconnect with who I am. Um, You know, I spend so much of my life trying to conform to what society deems as necessary in being a gay man. And then specifically a gay man of color. I'm constantly code switching, right? Like I'm always trying to be what society wants me to be. So that way I feel safe. And so queer core, you know, it just kind of reminds me like, hey, you know what? You can be unapologetically queer. Like you can be yourself and that's cool. Like that's punk rock. And so when it comes to my art, like it's okay to just do whatever I want. I don't have to create for anybody but myself. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, well, sucks to be you. I didn't create it for you in the first place. (laughs) Then you're not my target audience. (laughs) That's exactly. I don't need your critics. I don't need your, you don't need to buy my stuff. You don't need to say anything. Just keep on moving. And that's kind of what Queer Core taught me. If you don't understand it, that's your problem. It's not my problem. You know, I don't, I don't create for you to understand. I create for myself to understand and people who get me will get it. And people who don't get me, well, then that's their issue. They're not punk. (laughs) So what are some of your favorite artists? If you don't, well, um, Gary, you have a question. No, it's good. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. What are some of your favorite artists? I'm curious. So my all time favorite artist, um, the artist who I get so much of my own personal inspiration from is Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, Street artist, a Haitian American artist um, who actually has a record for the most expensive painting done by an American artist to ever be sold at auction. Of course, he died penniless, like most artists do. Um, but yeah, he was he was, famous afterwards. he was right. He was a very prolific artist. He brought in the neo expressionism movement. He was one of them, and he was an absurdist artist. And he was punk rock, in my opinion. Like he made fun of people. He did very childlike drawings and did it because he wanted to and he didn't care. And it's funny because the art world hated him. Art critics could not stand him. They thought what he did was childish and it was ridiculous and it was quote unquote absurd. Like, why would somebody do this? It's ugly. And um, he did it because he didn't care. He, He could paint. He could paint very well. He was a very talented artist, but he chose to create in the way that he chose to create. And 
I do the same thing. Like if you look at my portfolio or my um, Instagram, you'll see that every now and then I will throw in something a little bit technical because I like to paint like a child. I like to paint messy. I like to create chaotic pieces of art. But every now and then I'll throw in a really pretty um, landscape. I hate landscapes. I'm not a fan of doing them, <laughs> but I do them as a way to prove to people, hey, I can paint. I just choose to be messy because it's way so, more fun. So your art is still, although influenced by that feeling and drive of queer core, you still have that influence of what influence and pressure of what society is saying like oh well you can't paint so but you're like no f you yes i can this is a choice that i'm choosing to, exactly, to paint this way that's exactly it and you know i don't know why i do it i do it, i mean you I said do, it right there I, I do it because as an up-and-coming nobody artist i do need street cred right like i don't have a bachelor's in fine arts i've never shown at a gallery oh before. i can tell you right now that's you know, that is BS. <laughs> it is BS. It is, but you know, I've never, I've never, I've never shown before, right? So I need to still prove to the art world that I am technically a good artist, but I choose to paint like I'm a bad artist. And that's okay. Oh, is, that is a that yes. is a particular style. And as someone who's I I'm a terrible artist. I think I'm a terrible artist in terms of my my painting and drawings. My family, friends, and everybody else who knows me will say otherwise. I can see the technical and the untechnical. Does that oh, make sense? Like when I look hard. at your, because I did look at your your Instagram and your and your website, and I was like, that's a choice. You can tell there's still a choice in that because the lines and the way that there's there's value in the and how you do things, and so. Painting like I, a child is hard. <laughs> it's definitely not. There's a, there's an intentional act that goes into that. Absolutely. And I, I can and see the charm it to of look it. Good too, right? So you mm -hmm. still have to make sure that you're paying attention to color theory and that you're doing things that make sense and are still aesthetically pleasing. Or if they're not aesthetically pleasing on purpose, you've still consciously made those decisions because you wanted to pick offensive colors that don't go together that might not be fun to look at, but it still invokes something, right? Right. So that's kind of what I try to do. Right on. So I do have a couple questions for you first, because uh, we got way off topic, which we always do. Is there anything that you really want to stress that we didn't get to? Um, check. I guess the biggest thing I want to stress is check out this cool genre of music. It is really cool and it's both great and unfortunate that not a lot of people know about it. But, you know, I'm a really big fan of queer history. I think it's important that as gays, we know our history. Mm -hmm. And this is another part of history that not a lot of people know about. But it's just as important because they, in their movement, challenge society in a way that the other gays weren't really willing to challenge and they themselves no. helped push our society forward, but we don't know about them. They're very silent. Mm -hmm. They're in I, the background. I think it's important. And you highlight a really good point. Um, I, I, the queer community in general, and, the, and I do include 
our cis friends, right? Absolutely. Because we're not going to get anywhere if we don't have this inclusive language that includes our cis friends, right? We're not going to get legislation. We're not, I could go on a whole little tangent. What's nice and what I love about our community is that we can create diversity within our community and our history and our understanding of how that has come about already can inform, especially our younger individuals, like, hey, you're not you're not necessarily original on on queer core, but you can be original within queer core. You could take queer core in a new direction. You can take this new twist and this new idea and create something from it. And that all comes from being informed, right? We are all some advanced or some level up version of what has already been done. You know, we talk about like creating fire by like smacking rocks together, rubbing sticks. Well, now we can flick a match and we can do all these. They're all some sort of level up version that has happened over time. And as we grow as a community and more knowledge, more podcasts, more books, more artists are putting information out there to bring our community together. We are informing our future selves on how we can bring that together in a new beautiful form of art whether it's in music or writing or art or whatever and I, I i love that queer core is something that has already done that and i didn't realize that has already started that conversation and i'm interested to find out more and spend some more time in listening yeah. to music and and do a little bit more research that gary did that it's- i did not do because i really wanted to be genuine in my response as the viewer or the or the listener hearing the information that you're bringing to us today and i thank you so much for that because yeah i'm i'm super excited to to dive into this and i will add i literally just received a text message from my mom that i can cuss so fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> I love it. so because we i also then wanted to ask um and i hope i'm not putting on the spot and asking this uh, this last year, year and a half, how has it been being a a, a gay man of color? Oh, it's a it's a fucking nightmare. I mean, let's be honest; like it is not safe. You don't feel safe. You know, I was telling Wafik about you know I am I've never been more afraid of the police in my life. Like, if I'm going to be completely honest, I do everything I possibly can do to avoid them at all costs. If I see a police officer is even seven cars behind me in traffic, I will pull into the nearest parking lot and go into some random store or building just so I can dodge them because I'm always afraid. And having that all be brought out to the forefront has, if anything, it's helped because it's just kind of helped people see this is like a legitimate fear, right? Like we really are afraid of these things. And, you know, even though I quote unquote sound white, I still look like a big black man. I'm a big six foot four, 270 pound black dude. Like I have resting bitch face. So I can (laughs) look. I I don't know about that. I can look. I can make people uncomfortable and it makes me afraid. Like I don't want to make a cop uncomfortable. I don't want to have to deal with that. So I just, I just live my own life in hiding (laughs) as much as I possibly can. And I just kind of go from there, you know, but it's, it's, it's been hard. Um, But 
not any harder, I guess, than any just, other day aware. in your life. You're just very much aware. Um, definitely a lot of friendships got strained, right? Because I grew up in a small town, Pullman, Washington. And as a local, I had a lot of people in my life who were conservative and who were Trump supporters and who refused to see what they needed to see. And so I had to rid myself of a lot of these people. And it was hard. There were tears because, you know, some of these people were very close to me and they were very important people in my life. But I had to determine, you know, what's more important, my own mental health and acceptance of who I am. I mean, I'm 35 years old. And finally, for the first time in my life, I'm really starting to like, accept Brandon for who Brandon is. And part of that requires me to say goodbye Mm -hmm. to toxic people. And, you know, COVID left a lot of time to think about these things. And Donald Trump certainly brought out the world. There are some benefits (laughs) to both COVID and Trump. Trump highlighted the racists and the, Mm -hmm. the overall bigots of our country in general. So now we know who you are. Thank you so much for raising your hand and identifying yourself so we know where we need to put our efforts. And then COVID realized where our economy was weak and where we need to invest in education and all, all these things, right? But it, But overall, it gave us as a human species an opportunity to realize like, I really don't need to have that connection with my dad's family, who is a bunch of racist bigots who think black people should continue to be enslaved and or exported out of the country. It's like, well, at that point, dad, you're French. So you should also be going too. here's the Mayflower, get your ass on it and get going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if we're really going to get all native here, then we need to be giving this land back to the the original owners of this, of the country, right. Of the land we're all on borrowed land. And I I can identify with you and just on that level, right? Not as a person of color, but on the on the fact that there's just some people that we have to remove in order to move ourselves forward as individuals. Absolutely. And it was it's it's healing. You know, the purge was difficult, but it has healed me in so many ways. And I don't regret purging the people that I purged from my life, even though it was difficult at the time. I, it gives me permission to just be more me because right. I don't have to you, feel like there's I need less to anger in the social media. It's like, I need to, yeah. I need to say something about that. Nope. I don't, I don't right? need to say, I don't no. need to respond. I'm good. And My exactly, social media is free of that. And you know, I've, there's always that fear. Oh, did I create an echo chamber? Fuck yeah, I did. But guess what? It's my social media. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. And if I only want to be surrounded by my crazy liberal friends, I'm going to be surrounded by just my crazy liberal friends. And I don't regret it at all. I do want to say that I, I I can't imagine. I I, thank you for sharing your feelings on that. Yes, thank you. There's no way we could understand what you're going through. And so thank you for sharing your experience with that. Knowing you, I can't imagine anybody thinking thinking resting bitch face with you. <laughs> I don't I, know you, but I would love to see what you think is a resting bitch I, face. I, I, he's this, he, he is this wonderfully tall um, person of color who very attractive person and very oh, always just seems very willing to be there for anybody. So 
I mean, I am. I that's who I am. But mm. unfortunately, that's not what people see, right? People. Well, it's just not see, what our police see at the moment when they're see. responding. It's they see they they just take the well, visual, and, right? And exactly your mom it. Sue would beat the shit out of anybody if she heard that they were picking on you. You know, oh, absolutely. So you, you know, so <laughs> what? or Brittany, you know, I live. Smack I live, down. I currently live in Southern Idaho and yeah, I, I live in Trumpville. And so you have to watch your P's and Q's and I just have to be safe. And unfortunately that's just kind of what it is, but I don't know without being like, Oh, I've gotten complacent to it. You just learn, right? Like when you're, it's an adaptation of survival. You just learn to survive. You know, when you are a young gay kid, you just learn to be straight. When you are a yep. person of color, you just learn to be white. Like you just learn to be what people want you to be in order for your own personal survival, which is once again, why I turned so much to Riot Girl and why I turned to Queer Core because then I can put on my, I can pull out my nose ring. I can be punk. I can put on the makeup, paint my nails and just like be authentically me in that moment which is why it's such an important music to me and i hope other people listen to it because i know that there's so many other queers out there who are still trying to find that acceptance and mm -hmm. through queer like through queer core and through their lyrics like i found so much of like it's okay to be you. it's like so okay to be unapologetically mm -hmm. you and i hope that other people can see that too like it's this cool subculture of people who just, who only want you to be you and they don't want a poser. They just want you to be your authentic self. And if you you're, if you are your authentic self, no matter who that is, there is a place for you. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this. Yeah. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate that you connected with us on social media that you answered the question that was being you know thrown out there more importantly i appreciate you creating the time and the space to educate us on a culture of our own community that we were ignorant of and we get to now we now thanks to you have an opportunity to then share that literally with the world and hopefully bring that subculture together because not all of our cultures need to be on the same page other than treat each other with respect and dignity, right? We can all exist in this, in this world together and have our own subcultures. And I love that we're creating more space by introducing queer core. Queer core. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. So I now so I was going to say, where, where, where can, can we find people? you? Yeah. Um, follow me on Instagram, uh, okay. Brandon underscore Dudley underscore art. That is my main social media page for the public, um, where all of my art is. You can find me on my website, brandondudley.com, um, where I have all of my art up, lots of things for sale. Um, yeah, those are going to be the two main places that you can find me. You can try to add me on Facebook, but I won't accept, so don't try. Fair enough. I <laughs> I will let you know that Cornundrum Podcast is following Brandon Dudley Art on Instagram. So if you don't remember Brandon Dudley Art, you could go to our Cornundrum Podcast 
on Instagram and then check out our followers and, and engage there. Yeah, and I'm not cool enough for Twitter. I've never figured that thing out. So fair enough. I like I like Gary you guys run the show. I let Gary run the show there. I actually have done some done some more diving into that. So just so you know, Brandon, I have another business called CCS Empowerment with another business partner. And he primarily just he like takes off with the, the whole Twitter thing. I never got it. I'm I just never I, I get it because of the hashtag and the different channels and now there's and I, those listening who want to follow me on Twitter and actually <laughs> learn the stuff. Whatever. I'm at Gary underscore Thorne. That's T H O R E N. Well, I'm at get shit done with Holly Ray because I get shit done. (laughs) So Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Was there any other places you? Yeah. You have your website. um, We have brandondudley.com and Dudley is D U D L E Y. Yep. Brandondudley.com. And so, so Instagram, Twitter, and your website no, are your not primary. Twitter. You'll never find me on Twitter. I oh, God. I was, trying, Twitter. I was tricking you, man. I there's was no, there's, I just, I just, I, I'm a visual artist. So well, <laughs> um, you know, I've never had Instagram, so I get it. it goes back Instagram I'm talking is over my Gary. place. Um, I, think I have a TikTok, but once again, you're not, I'm not very good at social media. I'm just going to be. I'm too old for TikTok. I wouldn't even know where to go with it. It's It's fun. It's, it's. I'm just saying I'm too old. I'm not. My mom loves it. My mom, she's, my mom is. Well, but in her heart, she's like, what, 23? Right. She called me, yes, she called me the other day and told me about all of these TikToks that she was watching while she was at the doctor's office. And <laughs> she just, and I'm like, I don't even use TikTok. She's like, oh my God, I love, like she, she can tell you all about it. She loves TikTok. So. I will, when I need to help educate our companies on TikTok, I'm going to reach out to your mom and be like, hey, so TikTok, <laughs> what's this about? Uh, right. yes, I, just, hey. <laughs> I just need her to make videos now. She'll go viral. She's entertaining <clears throat> enough. <laughs> I can only imagine if just knowing you and your sister, Brittany, I'm like, I'm constantly entertained every time we have conversations. I can only imagine the seed of all that. That's her. No, no I think her. actually, of the three of of the three of you, you and Brittany and your mom, you're kind of the more reserved one. I am. Yeah, I, I mean, what? and that's you know. Well, it's funny when I told Dean when we got when the first time he met my family. My mom said the family, be prepared. I'm the quiet one. He didn't believe me until we got there. And then he found out I was the quiet one. I, so, I am the quiet one of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That but you make sense. up more for it in, in all your your wonderful things you do. So um, That's how I express myself is through my art, which I hope everybody chooses to enjoy and buy some because this artist is starving. <laughs> <laughs> also has a full-time job but okay i have sorry. i'm not okay i'm not actually starving but i would like to quit my full-time job and become a full-time we so we'll all... make sure to we'll we'll include the links on our uh, yes so when i i yes so please connect with with brandon on the links that will be in our chat notes as well on our podcast as well as our social media accounts if you have any questions for brandon you're also welcome to directly touch bases with them However, if you have any more questions about Queer Core, do DM us or engage with us on our social media accounts because we would like to continue to have an open conversation about this so we can continue to educate our community jointly on this beautiful knows, culture. 
maybe next time you'll be the one we we have on as a guest. So just, you know, we don't know. We don't know. So this keep was that a, in mind. this was a chance opportunity, and I am so deeply grateful, Brandon, that you took that opportunity and joined Thank us today you. on our show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And thank you. This was, it was an honor to have you on. Oh, thank you, Gary. Bored. It's always so nice to see you. You look amazing, by the way. So. <laughs> okay. You do. <laughs> thank you. You look, you look good. Aww, Even though you just had you. surgery. Yeah, you look thank good. you. Uh-huh. See, that's why I love you. Okay, so. This is why we don't do our shows in person. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Well, that will take us into our next part of our show, which is the Queer Corner. Oh, that's right. I created music for the show by... Yeah, so use the quote-unquote music. Well, we actually have an artist that puts their music up for free, and I now use them as our intro music, so... Welcome to our Queer Corner, where we take your questions that you give us either through email or at our social media accounts. So wherever that shall be, that's where we bring our Queer Corner to you. So this is our opportunity to give voice to your voice. Gary, did you want to like kick us off? I will. Um, I do have two things actually today, but neither of them are long. One, I just want to uh, honor um, a person who isn't queer, but it came from my high school, who uh, recently passed away from brain cancer. Uh, His name is Jim Fisher. Uh, He was my brother's best friend, and he was part of the Stoner group. I like to mention that he was one of the few people in the Stoner group when we're all in high school that did not make fun of me or call me names, stuff like that. He was always, he was a person that was amazingly liked for everybody. And so it's, it's sad that we've lost him. And he was a wonderful, good person. Can we, can we take a moment of silence and. He wouldn't want that. He wouldn't want that? Fine. Yeah, no, he wouldn't want that. But the next thing I think was funny. (laughs) Actually, Brandon talked about this. <laughs> I, uh, one of the people on Twitter um, has, when we mentioned in a previous one, I've never seen RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I'm actually going to be watching it. I've put it on my queue on Paramount Plus to start watching it. And then hopefully next week or the week after, I will be doing mini review about about okay. RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, we'll see. I, I'm not a huge person into the whole reality genre anyway, but, you know, it could could connect with me. I, I just don't know. So we'll see. But I thought it was funny that Brandon was talking about that. <laughs> well, because every, every culture has a subculture. and I get it. I totally get yeah. it. And he explained it so well. Oh, he did. And so that's, that's really all I had was those two things that I will be. That's for Jeffrey. Jeffree Star, I'm going to be watching. Uh, I'm starting RuPaul's Drag Race tomorrow. And I will make some comments over Twitter. I'm excited for you to catch up so that we can have a conversation about it, too. So, anyway. I can almost guarantee I won't get completely caught up to where you're at. Because (laughs) I'm not a huge... I'm not a huge fan of even like Project Runway 
My it well, was, you know my wife is. I know. And I watched it for her so we could have something to talk about. But there's a point. Just, she appreciates it, and want you to know yeah. it was appreciated. <laughs> so. Also. I appreciate it because that meant that I can go do other things because she had someone she could relate to that would. Yeah. It, but it, I, anyway, I think I think she enjoys it even more with me. I don't know, Des. You have to tell me after you listen to this podcast. Who do you like better? I'm hoping she says me. <laughs> <laughs> well, careful! You'll be watching all Drag Race with her. So, but and so I, I will. I promise I'll watch some of it to so I can okay. say if I like it or not. I'm trying to keep an open mind. Please do. For you have a, you're one, you're older. Two, you're male. Three, you're older. I think you would have a very <laughs> different perspective on on RuPaul. Like I am younger, beautiful, and younger, and I have a very different view. Brandon's younger than you, by the way. I just I noticed that, that. I did. I. <laughs> I did make, I made it, I'm looking at my notepad right now. Q, branding is younger than me. How can that be? <laughs> he looks like, okay, anyway. <laughs> I, but I am interested to hear your take on it too. So I look forward to it. Okay. I, again, I'm not huge into reality shows, so I'm going to try it. I appreciate we'll it. Yeah. Okay. So for my queer corner, Anna Marie, one of our, our, our listeners, Love you. You got her name correct. Thank I you. I did. Yes. Okay. So, I, so anyway, I am, I am, I am so grateful that she is a part of our family and that she loves us and she loves our community and she supports us. And I thank you so much. Uh, they has, so she has <laughs> wanted an update on my views on lower deck. So when we did our star Trek, uh, first couple of episodes that we did were kind of like, what the hell was Star Trek thinking with deal, dealing with queer issues? We touched a little bit on Lower Decks, and I had some strong strong emotions and reactions to Lower Deck. You I, might say that. I, yeah! I'm committed at this point, Anna Marie, to watch a few more episodes to kind of see how that develops. And I will... In a future episode, also share my particular feelings on that. I have heard from other individuals as well that I should continue to give it give it a little yeah. more time and see how how that kind of progresses. So I will continue. It's my commitment to you to continue to do that, and then I will update. Uh, my queer corner question is: Was it hard to come out? Now. This is a this is a really great this is a great question and I'm I'm leaving it anonymous. It was not necessarily hard for me to come out, mostly because one, my geographical location played a huge part in that. My positive upbringing around the queer community played a huge part in that. I will say that the hardest part for me coming out was still even though my positive upbringing was the source, the source of that was my mother was still coming out to my mother. And I think looking back now, a large part of that apprehension and that fear and that, that feeling of hard was the lack of representation that we currently have now. 
when I came out, I was 21. So that was 15, 16 years ago. I've lost count of how old I am because of, because of COVID. 37. I, am I 37? You're 37. You, asshole. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah, yeah, I, did, I thought it years. was 35 and a half, but okay. No, 37. Fine. Thank you. Anyway, moving on. That's a really sad Close fact. Close to 40. Shit, you can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when I came out 16 years ago, we didn't have things. We, Ellen was kind of, was in the in the limelight, but not as much. We We didn't have... Shit's Creek and movies and all these different streaming streaming options where they were paying to have their own productions, right? So production producers were very picky about what they would put on TV or movies or whatever. The only representation that I could think of at that point in my in my life was parents will freak out. Your parents will always freak out no matter what. And I didn't understand like the why behind that. And I told my mom while they were at work, they were an emergency medical dispatcher. I had this realization in college. I immediately got in my car. It was a Friday night. So I got in my car and I drove six hours back to home and met with my brother, came out, met my brother, picked me up. Uh, so I flew actually, sorry, I flew. And my brother picked me up. I came out to my brother. My brother's like, yeah, cool, whatever. Didn't know at the time he was also gay and dating a dude because he didn't come out way later anyway so we go to my mom's place of employment and i come out to my mom well she is a, a dispatcher for medical emergencies i thought this is the safest place to tell your mom because she can't chase you out of the house or get mad or anything right i had this whole script that i ran through my head of possibilities of what my mom would do based off of my experience from my peers my experience from like the subculture, you know, the culture around it. My mom was completely chill, but I still told myself that she was mad and angry with me for years. I said that it wasn't until later through a conversation when my brother came out that it became very apparent to me that the only reaction my mom had was your life is going to be harder because our world is shit. Our world is shitty to anybody who's different and your life is going to be harder because you're different from that quote unquote norm. And that was her reaction. But I, for a couple of years when I came out, I played it off as, Oh, my mom. Yeah. My mom like totally didn't like accept me. Now, granted, I'm a 27 year old adult. I wasn't kicked out of the house. I didn't have all these terrible things happen to me. But in that moment I was terrified how my mom would feel for everyone else outside of that when I didn't really care I was going to live my best life and I was like fuck you kind of attitude about it there are still now moments and I've talked about this on the show before in certain areas I will be careful about holding people's hand you know my wife's hands or at the time my girlfriends because our our culture society has a, a there's still significant amount of hateful people so at the, but to answer the question, coming out, was it hard? For the most part, no, it wasn't. I Because so much work had been done for our community, I felt, I felt pretty safe doing that. The last thing I would say on that, because I do feel it is so important, especially for our youth, trevorproject.com 
is a suicide prevention organization specifically for our LBGTQ young people. And so if you're listening, my young folk, and I don't care how old you are, I'm just saying, the Trevor Project is something I would highly encourage you to, to look into. They too also believe that language is important and the language that we use has a significant impact on our mental health, but also how we view our culture and how cultures outside of us will will view. So trevorproject.com. I just encourage you to check it out if that's something that meets your needs. If there's a need out there that you feel is being met by another organization and you want us to talk about it on our show, we will review it and check it out. Please email us at conundrum at conundrum.com or engage on any one of our social media platforms so that we can share that information with our community to continue to build a safe place for everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our show, for checking out our first guest on our podcast, Brendan Dudley. Awesome guest. So grateful to have them on our show. And if there's a question or a conundrum you would like to share with us, also please engage with our social media accounts so we can share that as well. Until The next time we get to entertain your ears, peace and be well. And be queer. Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Conundrum Podcast. And email us at Queernundrum at Queernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer.